securing clients, a lot of it is it's word of mouth. And again, it's just the quality of the work, but it's a lot of the things you've talked about. It's responsiveness. You know, one of the things that I think I get a lot of compliments about is how quickly I respond to people, both at the beginning of the relationship and throughout. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Steve Fretzen here with Be That Lawyer. Hopefully you're having a wonderful day and you're being productive and getting stuff, you know, together, balance, all of that fun stuff. As you guys know, this show is all about helping you be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, a skilled rainmaker, someone that has balance and also success in their career as a lawyer. And one of the guests that I have today is the man. I've known Dan for so long and we've been networking together. We've been friends a long time and I'm just so excited to have him. Dan Cotter is with Howard and Howard. He is the former CBA president. He's an author. He's a networker. He's very prolific. And I'd like to introduce Dan Cotter. How's it going, Dan? Going well. Thanks for having me, Steve. And we have uh, we have known each other a long time. We've been networking. I was trying to think of when we met. It's probably right around the time you started in the legal industry. Yeah, around point. 2008, 2009. Yeah. I think probably someone pushed me your way because they're like, oh, if you're in legal, you need to talk with Dan. Uh, that may have been the case. I don't remember how we met. I was trying to think of that, but it's good to have, have known you and seen all your work and network with you and now RRT group. So it's great. Yeah. And Dan is talking about uh, the Rainmaker Roundtable that I've been running and he's been a part of it. We'll get into that later. But listen, man, do my audience a solid and give a little background on yourself. Sure. As you noted, uh, I was the CBA president several years ago now and had the great privilege of doing that have loved the Chicago Bar Association and it's been part of my networking and mentoring kind of arena for many years. I've, I've been a, an active member during the day by, by day. My practice area is corporate and transactional. I'm at Howard and Hart Attorneys PLLC, as you mentioned, and it's been a great move. We moved there in August of 2019 with a few other people. I've been active, like I said, with the CBA, but also an active writer, as you said. I, I, I love networking and, and uh, have always enjoyed it. And uh, I've never seen it as kind of a, a barrier. It was one of the people, I think, one of the first thousand people on LinkedIn or one of those things, uh, when they had their 10-year anniversary, they sent us notes. And uh, one of my coworkers at the time, she was a non-lawyer, she said, you should go check this out. This is a, looks like a new, great place to be uh, somewhere where you can potentially network and job transitions and things. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I've, like I said, do corporate and transactional. I, I spent a lot of time in the insurance space. Uh, because I spent 16 years in-house of my 26 years so far at insurance companies in the Office of General Counsel. And one of the things I always tell people is insurance companies are like any other company, but they also have the regulatory overlay. So in addition to the insurance regulatory stuff, I did all the other stuff that any other corporate counsel would do. Yeah, I think you got some recent recognition. Is that the case? I did. Lawyers Lend a Hand to Youth is a program that focuses on inner city mentoring. And in the last five years, they started their own tutoring program. And so I I received my hero award for tutoring and for a weightlifting program and charity thing that I did started in 2002. It was lifting the lend a hand. And it was like uh, back in those days, there weren't as many walkathons and these marathons where everybody signs up and raises money. But it was kind of a similar idea where I would go out and ask my friends to give money by the pound or on a flat fee. And I'd go 
compete in the powerlifting competition. And I did that in 2002. I raised about $2,600. I didn't have quite the network then. And in the, in the second, the last time I did it in 2014, when I would just had become president of the Chicago Bar, I raised $70,000 uh, in that one lift and a total of about three hundred to 350000 It's a little murky now in terms of record keeping of what was yeah. raised. But yeah, Jesse White was the main recipient. He received an award from the organization as well for his decades of, of service and for his Jesse White tumblers, which I didn't know until that ceremony he's been doing since 1959, believe it or not. Yeah, that's, I've seen them a number of times. They're amazing. But what everyone is curious about in hearing what you just said is how much can you deadlift or lift? Well, any, anymore, <laughs> uh, anymore, not much. I've got a bad hip. I've got a, a pinched nerve. Yeah, because you've, you've been lifting heavy things. I loved lifting heavy things and uh, played football in college and, and some injuries from that. But the You're best in, your, ever, in your prime, in your prime. In my prime, the best lifts ever was a 622 squat, Oof. a 424 bench, and a 571 deadlift. So uh, wow. uh, close to 1,700 pound total. I have a really heavy ladder in my garage. I tried lifting the other day and I think I strained my back. So I think I'll, uh, we'll leave the lifting to the pros. <laughs> I, th- I think so. And my, my youngest son now is a lifting uh, guru and he has all kinds of stuff in the garage, you know, with pandemic, he's built a home gym and, and he goes out there and occasionally he'll ask me to go left and wow. <laughs> I do a few sets and then, you know, he, yeah. he goes out for two hours. Yeah. My son just keeps me busy, you know, Hey dad, let's go fishing. And I, you know, the most I got to do is, is pull a bass in or a, a walleye in, but no real heavy lifting there. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about not lawyering, but the other part of being a lawyer, which is business development, networking, How do you take care of clients? I mean, you're sort of the total package. So I think we can really go anywhere with this conversation. But let's start at the beginning around kind of the birth to the death of, of, you know, just the the life cycle, if you will. Let's start off with networking. What are some of the things that you have done to grow your law practice? And I know networking is one of them. What are some of the things that you've been doing around networking that have been successful for you? A big part of it is being part of associations, not necessarily the Chicago Bar, because I think, you know, whatever your profession is, if you're just hanging out with your own profession, the the referrals aren't that great. But I'm very involved, uh, for example, in a lot of insurance regulatory organizations. And I think that's been a great tool. You know, I tend to speak at those, write in their journals, circulate amongst people. And so, you know, one of the things that people know is that I'm in Illinois. I do other states as well, but working on a deal right now that I, I actually represented the another party in the transaction and, and the New York law firm came to me recently to help them. They're part of a, a capital investment venture capital group that's going to convert their holdings into common stock and ownership. And so I'm working on that. And it's really, you know, it's really that kind of thing, Steve, is is, is speaking and circulating, going to conferences and, and being out there and trying to be relevant. In but, you're not, but you're not, but let me stop you. Cause you're not just showing up. You're not just showing up and saying, Hey, I'm a part of this group or I'm a part of this thing. You're writing, you're speaking, you're leading, right? You're getting engaged in what you're doing. That's making the difference between someone who's very successful at networking and someone who's maybe less than successful at networking. Cause meeting people is a part of it. But you know, if you can step up and demonstrate again, leadership or that you can get up in front of group and speak. And I always try to make that a part of anything I'm going to do. I'd rather lead or I'd rather engage than just kind of show up and be a part of it. Is that a big yeah. kind of angle there? 
I, I absolutely agree. You, you do have to get active. Just just showing up, you know, there, there are people I've known that, that go to conferences or in, and just kind of are, are, you know, wallflowers or they, they might go to the receptions and stuff and hand out, you know, a thousand business cards. But as you and I have talked about throughout the, the years we've known each other, you know, just hand out your business card. It doesn't mean anything, right? Because, okay, they got your business card. They don't know anything about you. And, and like you said, they haven't seen you really lead. And so, I've, I've traditionally, when I've been in groups, like you said, try to find some role where I am have a lot of touch points. And, and so one of the groups is the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals. I've spoken for years. I've been on their bylaws and governance committee, and now I'm the outside general counsel. And it's a pro bono gig, but again, it gives me exposure to 3,000 members on a regular basis, dealing with their legal issues for the organization, and just being able to demonstrate kind of the expertise and knowledge, right? And, and I get to know you. And I think it's, I think that's part of the thing that when I tell people about networking and I kind of talk to law students or other young people that are trying to figure out how to get into a, a career, is that a big part of networking is, is that kind of leadership and interactions. And it's really important to establish a rapport outside of, right? Because every, every lawyer has got the same pitch, the, you know, their elevator pitch. And, and as we practice in the round table and other arenas, provisors, everybody has that kind of pitch, right? But they all sound the same, but it's really establishing a rapport. Hey, do I like this person? Is this somebody that I'd actually want to be in the trenches with working on a project or litigation or whatever the matter is? Yeah. And the other thing I would just add to what you're saying, and, and I'm sure you do this and I do this too, is anytime I'm interested in joining a group or being a part of something, I always talk to the people in charge and let them know my intentions and say, and try to find like, where could I fit in? Like I'm a presenter. What opportunities would there be for me to present on? And what kind of topics are you looking for? How can I add value? Not just when's the meeting or right. what do I, you know, do, when, when are you guys holding meetings? I try to, you know, get some information up front so that I'm not, you know, and if you don't do that, that's okay. You can, even if you're in a group now, you can still go back to the leader or someone that's been there a while and ask those kinds of questions of what you can do to be more involved, engaged in what you're doing. I think it's important. I think more than ever, especially in the COVID times with the new platforms, if you're not speaking, if you're at a, at a conference or a committee meeting, the only people that are showing on the screen and that are actually actively engaged in these, most of these meetings is the presenters, as you, as you just mentioned, and the moderator, and that's it. So if you're not doing that and leading at the, at the CBA and in other groups, when I give presentations or I attend meetings, you don't even see who else is in the room, right? You can go look at a list, but there's not even a video. So I think more than ever, and we're going to have some hybrid of this going forward. So I think it's very important that, again, like you said, you find out what role you can take to lead and actually participate because that's going to distinguish you from the hundreds of people that might be attending and just watching. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about what happens after the event. You've met someone that you think is really terrific, maybe another lawyer. You think there might be some opportunities to get to know each other, but also maybe some business that could be passed or things like that. How do you sort of run those meetings and try to get some type of, you know, next steps out of it or some kind of traction? One of the things that you've taught me well is that you should have an agenda going in and be very upfront about that being the kind of goal of the meeting, right? Hey, let's let's chat, let's get to know each other, but also let's figure out how we can step away from this and have one or two introductions or warm introductions and handoffs that can that can maybe translate into business. And that's important because a lot of times, you know, I've been at many coffees where you just sit for 30, 45 minutes, you kind of chew the fat. 
and then you leave and there's no next steps. There's no real production out of it. And so it's not a very productive meeting. It's great to visit with people and, you know, to learn about, you know, their kids and their family and, you know, whatever's going on. But at the end of the day, all of us need to earn, earn some living so we can, you know, have our houses and pay our mortgage and, and get our kids through college and all the other stuff. And one of the easiest ways to get the relationship off on the right foot to Europe to what you just shared is helping someone else, giving to someone else. And this is one of the greatest challenges that lawyers have that I hear on a regular basis is, you know, I'd love to meet with people, but what do I have to give them? What do I have to offer? And I think it might be fun, Dan, for us to come up with a list together right now on the spot of, I don't know, five, six, seven things that are valuable to be able to provide at the end of a networking meeting that someone could walk away and say, you know, Hey, now I've got this list of five to seven things. I can always come up with one or two for somebody because it isn't just about, Oh, as it turns out, Dan, I have a new potential client for you. I mean, that might happen, but more realistically, it's not, you know, right. I don't just happen to have someone that has some kind of you know legal work that they need right now. So what would you say are like top two or three things that you have done for someone in the past that you felt really gave you some good traction, some good karma? I mean, one is, is, is again, that, that warm introduction, that email that says, Hey, you know, th this is Steve, right? This is what he does. I think that you can have a very valuable conversation with him. And again, there's no promise there. Like you said, what I've always said is, you know, I, this is my third time in private practice and, and none of my clients that I had in the second time or any of my friends have boxes of documents, like you said, that are just waiting, right? Like, oh, yeah, I, I was waiting for you to go in private practice or give me a call. I've got this big case that I need you to handle right away. And I've, I've been waiting for you to, to give me that call. So it's, it's more that it's, it's, you know, finding out what, what, what that person needs that you, you've met with. And then again, saying, you know, I know somebody that can help you here. And it might not be, it might not be a lawyer or a client referral. It might be that someone says, you know, look, I've, I've got this real estate deal and I need an appraiser and, and I just know, don't know where to go. And then again, it's, it's, Hey, meet, meet Henry. This guy knows what he's doing. He's in this, in this arena. And it's that helpful thing. And what I always tell people is, look, I can open doors, but you have to then get in the door and then sit down and then seal whatever deal it is. Right. But I think that's the most valuable thing you give to people. And also sometimes, and like we do when we're in the hot seat, I think one of the other things you can give is kind of some reaction. So if somebody has an idea or they're thinking about doing something, hey, I want to transfer to in-house from private practice, right? And I don't know even know anything about that. So, okay, tell me a little bit more about that. What, what exactly kind of role are you looking for? And then kind of give them some feedback and some next steps that says, okay, this is, this is the first step you need to do, right? You need to find out about the companies or the industries or narrow it down. Right. And in case you're at home keeping score, let me just recap where we are right now with this conversation. So number one is if you have business that someone else can do and you have the ability to feed it and you've kind of proven them out that they're real. I mean, if you're meeting someone for the first time and you've got a, a million dollar piece of business, I don't know that I'd give it up right away. Right. I think you might want to get to know someone a little better because you're going to be handing off someone. Your name is on the line. So always qualify, qualify, qualify. But if you have networked with someone and you have business and you think they might be a good fit, the 
personal injury attorney, real estate, whatever it might be. That's one. Number two that you mentioned is just connecting people with other connectors, people that have those big networks that can move them in the right direction. I just did this with a friend of mine who's in the benefits space, got him in front of another friend of mine who's in the life insurance space. And he just told me it was like one of the best conversations he's ever had. So that's number two. Number three is sharing a personal connection. So same story. I was telling the gentleman, I just getting a condo, setting my brother up in a condo. I need a GC or a painter. He gave me his guy who said he's great. So now I've got a personal connection that's going to help me solve a personal problem, a personal need. That's number three. And then the last one that you shared was a personal idea or feedback on something. So I'm telling you about a direction I want to go. And then you're offering me advice, feedback, help. And that also counts as far as like, how you can you help move someone in the right direction? So right there, just from this conversation so far, we're already at four things that you may be able to provide someone else at the end of a networking one-on-one, for example. Okay. Anything, if we want to get one or two more on the table, what do you think? Anything else pop in your head? Well, one of the things I always offer to people as I get to know them is kind of a call a friend. Like, you know, if you have things or needs or, or need introductions, you know, with a lot of law students always look for jobs and things. And I tell them, I know a lot of lawyers in the city and a lot of law firms. So as you're trying to, you know, get in front of, you know, XYZ firm, send me that and, you know, 50% chance that I know somebody. Yeah. And again, can make that kind of, you know, hey, I know, I know Joe. He's a good guy. I know Sally. She's a great law student. She was a student of mine, or, you know, I I know her. And uh, again, opening the door. And then, my view, that's all we can do, right? Like like you said, you're not going to give the warm handoff, you know, the million dollar case or the million dollar thing. You probably already have somebody in your network that that you already would trust with that, right? If, If that came along. And so, Maybe, maybe maybe not. You know, I think it might be surprising to understand or know that people are pretty flexible about where they're willing to send conflict work, rate pressure work. There's a lack of reciprocation that's going on. And some people just don't understand the, the give and take that needs to happen in a relationship. And I think that if it's a year or two and you've been feeding someone work and feeding them something and and they're not responding and reciprocating, it can be frustrating. And if you catch someone at the right time when they're they're in that place where, you know, they're just not getting any real value is a two way street. It might be easy to pull them back, you know, pull them over to your side and say, look, I'm different. And I'm looking to network with you and I'm looking to add value for you as much as you're, you are for me. And how do we do that together? You know, I met with a legal recruiter yesterday, Dan, and we had this great launch and all we kept talking about, is who we can get in front of each other. How can she get me these recruits that, you know, maybe are going to be placed or maybe they can't be placed because their book isn't big enough and they need to build their book in order to get the job of their dreams. So she can send them to me. And then I've got all these law firms and lawyers that, you know, maybe are unhappy with their culture. They've got a a tyrant, you know, you know, managing partner, whatever the case might be, or just the way the firm is laid out just isn't the best way for them to perform. And so we just had this amazing conversation and it's all to your point about the next steps. You know, how do we continue to move things forward and execute for each other and failure to do that? It's really, you know, networking suicide. I think there's a lot of people that promise a lot, right? And then they just don't know how to really pull the trigger or they don't take the time to do it, right? What do you do with people like that? I'm changing the subject now, but what do we do with people that that just don't get it? You know, at some point you, you, you have to turn the switch off and, you know, I've got some, some, various examples. One time when I was still in house, I got a call from somebody that had been referred 
they wouldn't tell me who referred me, but they said, you know, I, I want to, I need introductions and I need help at this in-house job. And I'm like, okay, I don't even know you. I need to at least have a coffee with you. And, and he responded, you know, that's great and all this, but you know, I need to submit my application tomorrow. And I just sent him back. I said, you know, this is not how networking <laughs> works. You know, it's, it's yeah. uh, the, the, one of the great articles I saw years ago in the, in the Trib or, or sometimes talked about networking is like gardening. You have to plant the seeds and yeah. then you have to, you know, water it. And then you have to take out the weeds and, and do all that stuff for a, a thriving garden. And, and that's really how I view networking, you know, I'll sprinkle a little water on the on these those types of people, but after a while, you, I just give them the message back that you know, look, I'm not you know, it's obvious that you're just looking for a one way thing, right? And and that's not how any of this works, right? You have to establish a relationship and trust and kind of do something on your own. You, you know, again, I'm, I can open the door, but I, I can't submit the application for you. I can't do your interview. I can't to get the get the client that you want that that's not on me that's on you yeah and if you're not interested i i don't have time right to to you know constantly be trying to harvest your future yeah i'm like a i'm like a two or three strike rule guy like i'll somebody i'm networking with and they don't pull the trigger the way that they say they're going to and all right okay i get it you know maybe i can coach them up a little bit or maybe not and then i give them kind of a second chance and then they have some excuse and i'm like you know what i'm out like life's too short and my time is too you know is too busy to you know have to babysit someone who talks the talk but can't walk the walk and at the end of the day you know what i kind of teach my clients is you can't have 50 100 strategic partners me people that are referring you work on a regular basis that you're also going to reciprocate and try to help them that the garden's too big right and too unruly right. to your analogy so i think six to 10, like if you had six to 10 people that referred you two to five matters a year, different sizes, shapes, forms, that's a decent amount of business from that particular bucket of networking to drive business. So I think if you can do better than that, great. But I think for most people, that's a manageable number to sort of manage versus a garden that just goes on forever with a thousand different plants and weeds. I agree. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the next cycle. So you're, you're networking, you get referrals, you get some new business in the door. Something that I think you've done really well with is maintaining relationships, building relationships with clients and building that loyalty. They just don't want to leave you because they know, you know, that you're responsive. They know there's all these things. So expand on that a little bit. What are you doing to secure clients? And then more importantly, to keep them happy. It, you know, securing clients, a lot of it is it's word of mouth. And again, it's just the quality of the work, but it's a lot of the things you've talked about. It's responsiveness. You know, one of the things that I think I get a lot of compliments about is how quickly I respond to people, both at the beginning of the relationship and throughout. And it's at times I've had clients at various places I've been that have not been as enamored with other colleagues with timeliness or attention. And when I call them, you know, I say, look, I'm, I'm listening. I know that this is not how most professional services firms work, but I'm not, you know, I'm not here to defend, you know, and I'm going to make it right. And that that's happened throughout my career. And I make sure that those folks know that they can reach out to me. And like you said, I also try to be almost like a concierge service where, you know, like you said, if someone's coming in for, for a general contract or other things, that it's not just about the practice of law. It's, it's about being able to help them and introduce them to whatever they need to solve their problems so they can do their job. And, and people appreciate that, I think. 
And it's, you know, it's the other thing that I'm a big proponent of is, is that we have, you know, two ears and one mouth. And so listening to them is, is to me a big goal is to make sure I understand what their needs are and to be practical. That's the other thing is, you know, I, uh, when I was in house, I referred to some of the things I got uh, from outside counsel as octopus opinions, because they're on the one hand, on the other hand, on another hand, it's like, okay, what's, can you give me some definitive guidance so that, you know, we as a business can move forward and, and not, you know, go through a 40 page treatise that, that makes no conclusions because it's so caveated. I mean, sometimes you have to do that. So there are some situations, but I always try to be practical and understand the business motivations behind the clients so that they can solve and get back to work and making money, which is their goal. Yeah, and I also, you know, talk to lawyers quite often about expectations and how they're setting expectations because I think surprises are great for birthdays, but they're not great for clients getting bills that they're not expecting or or having surprises happen. And, and I know in litigation that's just going to happen, but at least you could set them up that you know, understanding litigation that things are going to happen and here's what could potentially you know come our way. We need to be prepared for that, or you know, and then also expectations about how responsive you're going to be. I mean, if I tell someone I'm going to get back to them. I'm going to pick up every call that they, when they call me, I mean, that's going to mess things up because I'm not, you know, I'm in the middle of a podcast with you. I can't pick up my phone right now. And the phone isn't even on. So why would I set that expectation? I mean, some people do a great job of, you know, try to return all, you know, calls or emails by the end of the day, or I always get back to people within 24 hours, but that kind of stuff, setting those expectations is, is really important. Do you do some of that? I'm sure you do. I do do some of that, and I, and I try to set those expectations. But also, with you know, some of my clients, I have one client that a lot of times on New Year's Eve or Fridays, they have things that they just you know come up because they are, are very active and engaged. But yeah, for the most part, you try to set those expectations. I do have a, I have one friend who's a lawyer whose rule is he won't pick up the phone and he won't respond for the first twenty four hours. And I think that could be a little bit too much at times, depending yeah. on the client or what they need. But yeah, you have to set those expectations because we're not, we're all humans. And, you know, this is a holiday weekend, for example. So you have to be able to have the clients that understand that you may not be in a place where you can take a phone call on Saturday or Sunday on a long weekend. Or one of the things I've never done, and I, I know people are doing more and more, is, is the unplug type of vacations where they take their work email and all the stuff off their phone and they, you know, go to go scuba diving or they go to the, you know, the Himalayas or something where you can't get reception. So I've never done that, but I, I think I could probably do a better job of that. Yeah. Funny story. I was in Mexico with my wife and some friends and I left my phone back, you know, in Chicago because I wanted to unplug. And I remember walking back with the, with my breakfast, you know, you sit down at the, after a buffet at the, the resorts or whatever. And my friend and his wife and my wife are all on their phones looking down and I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> are we going to have a conversation over breakfast or am I going to be just sitting by myself twiddling my thumbs? But I get the, you know, leaving it behind. And again, if you have really good support, you know, other lawyers and admin that can cover for you, that's certainly the way to go. Dan, I'd like to transition. I think most people know that I'm a coach and a trainer on business development for lawyers. And I think that the piece that people may not know about or know enough about is that I run some programs, business development roundtables, and then what you're in the Rainmakers roundtables. The business development roundtable is for lawyers that do under a million in originations and the Rainmakers Roundtable is for people obviously higher. And I've got people ranging from a million to up to eight million. And 
I'd like you to just take a moment, if you would, and don't take too long on it, but just explain to everybody, like, kind of what is this and why is it something that you decided to get involved in? Sure. It's a great program. And what it is, is there's a group of about five or six or seven of us that are attorneys at different practice areas and law firms, all with different practices, but the same underlying kind of needs and wants in terms of business development, as Steve said. And we talk about and, and hold each other accountable. We just started an accountability group. So two or three of us get together and kind of keep on track. You, you've said that this is where you want to originate. These are the new clients you want to obtain. What are you doing about it each month, right? So in each week, so that it doesn't get away. And Steve has guests come in and speak about marketing. They speak about time management. They speak about all kinds of topics that are of relevance to us. And there's some big hitters. Uh, we're going to have one speaker coming in soon. That's, that's got a $20 million book of business. And we just learn from them. And then each of us takes turns being on the hot seat and, and having whatever issue it is that we want to convey and own. And then we get feedback, we get questions, and it's a great opportunity to be held accountable. And, and that's really, for me, is something that in my six years back in private practice that, that I've really not had. And I love that structure because it is every month I've got to be prepared to tell the group what I've been working on. I've improved my pitch. I've improved my LinkedIn, LinkedIn presence, whatever it is. And it keeps me accountable with a group that's very successful in various areas of law. It's a great program. And Steve's been referred to recently as the Lawyer Whisperer. And I, I thought of that name as well. I was thinking one time when I saw something that he had, he had published. And so the name's going to probably stick is that Steve is the Lawyer Whisperer. Wow. You know, whisper, shout, scream, whatever I have to do to get lawyers to get off their rears and build the book of business and get that control back. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being in my program and how you participate and just your attitude about building a book, growing a book, maintaining relationships, building relationships. I mean, you're the total package, Dan. So if people want to reach out to you to either get to know you, network, to read your book, how what's the best way for them to get in touch? They can email me at dac at h2law.com or they can shoot me a text at 312-502-7480. I'm responsive. I'll get back to you within 24 hours or so. There we go. There's the setting expectations. I love it. So we're practicing what we preached. Well, listen, I appreciate you and thanks for being on the show. Really terrific. Thanks for having me, Steve. Absolutely. And listen, everybody, if you enjoyed the show and, and others that you've listened to, please like, comment, share, get other lawyers on the show. Let's get this thing built out. I think it, it's only going to help the profession, the industry to become stronger. So, you know, people have a better chance of being that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized and a skilled rainmaker. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Be well. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.